this. Let's do this, guys. <clears throat> this is Silicon Reel, the video podcast dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. I am Brian Rose. I also host London Reel, which is a similar program. It's a bit longer. We have guests like uh, Tim Ferriss from the Four Hour Workweek, uh, futurist Jason Silva, even Russia Today's Max Kaiser came on and yelled uh, when he was here. Um, my co-host today is uh, Mr. Bryce Keen, uh, who is the uh, founder and director of Albion Drive. He's also a member and co-founder of the Three Beards. If you don't know who the Three Beards are, you need to find out. They run the Silicon Drink about every week, which we will all be going to after this broadcast. Woo-hoo. And um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's cool. It's not all business, but it's not all a hoot and having fun. You can talk, you can meet people. I love the vibe. I think I've been to like five so far. I really like it. And I'll be number six. Yeah, I think so. Keep you also host um, uh, Don't Pitch Me Bro events, which is which are monthly, I believe. Every month, yep. And your digital sizzle, which is quarterly. Quarterly, yep. Okay, awesome. Thank you for being here. And our guest today is Bindi Karia. Did I get that right? Korea. Korea. There you go. <laughs> Close. <laughs> um, you are the vice president of the Accelerator program at the Silicon Valley Bank here in London, which I think has over $20 billion in assets, maybe, right? Market cap of around $4 billion. I'm just making this stuff up. Um, I, I'll just let you keep going. Okay, that's cool. You, you guys offer a, a variety of financial services to uh, uh, companies, I think, typically in the technology, life sciences, and even in the wine industry. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. That's cool to have that kind of yeah. crazy one in there. You guys 300 have, premium vineyards in the in the Valley area. Very Not cool. Not bad, right? Yeah. I think you guys have done financing for companies like Twitter, Cisco, Mozilla, Pinterest, um, back in the day, you guys have been around for a long time. We have. Formerly, you were part of the uh, Microsoft Emerging Business Team, known as BizSpark, yes. I believe. And uh, you guys invested in venture capital in tech startups for like five years. Is that right? Well, yeah. We launched the program five years ago. Okay. And it's, it wasn't actually VC. It was actually a program where um, we, we provided software to early-stage startups. So it was just a way for Microsoft to convince earlier-stage companies to um, adopt the platform. Okay, very good. Um, you know, um, and it was investment in different ways, so the cost of software. Okay, good. I want to yeah. hear about those early days, yeah, but I still want absolutely. to just tell more people about who you are. You, you sit on a few boards, uh, advisory boards, including Seedcamp, Astia, EVCA. What does that stand for, EVCA? European Venture Capital Association. Okay. Yeah, I'm no longer on that one, but that was sort of a digital advisory board a couple of years ago. And okay. Yeah, they're just looking at sort of the future of digital and uh, a fair number of VCs and people like myself and corporates were you know, involved in that. Okay, so, very good. Yeah. You're also, uh, you were, I think, on the Wired UK Top 100 Digital Power Brokers. Yeah. Um, were you on that list? I'm getting there, man. Okay. Give me some time. And, yeah, um, I was also, on it for three years. And I'm okay. sure, Don't rub I'm, it in, baby. I'm sure, I'm sure this year you guys will be number one. The beards will be number one. I, I sure. doubt it. I doubt it. So. <laughs> uh, you were also named as one of the six most connected women in the UK by the IOD, which is the Institute of Directors. I Correct. mean, I don't know what I've been doing with my spare time. Anyways, yep. Bindi, welcome to Silicon Reel. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Great way to spend the end of a day on Friday. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun being here. You know, I, was, yeah. I, I had heard about you and I was like learning more about you and it's, it's just kind of a fascinating piece that you bring in. Your, your episode number six, you know, we've had, we've had seed guys on before. We've had yeah. people from Tech City like um, Benjamin Southworth. But you have a, a very different kind of um, business model when it comes to investing in companies. And uh, I wondered if you could try to explain, because I don't think a lot of people understand the difference between bank financing and what you might not yeah. do, might do as a bank as opposed to the typical angel investor or the venture cap firm, which I think people are yeah. familiar with. But a bank, you know, I don't think people That's... know the role there. And I was wondering if you could explain what you guys do. Yeah, well, I think it's important to sort of explain the history of Silicon Valley Bank. So um, first of all, in the UK, we've been around a decade 
but we only got our British banking license about a year ago. So we're, right. we're about Britain's newest bank. So park that for one minute. Hmm. In the Valley, we've been around 30 years, and it was founded over a poker game <laughs> by guys <laughs> involved in tech in the Valley. And really what they noticed, that there was really no finance or financial services institutions that understood the needs of tech companies and venture capital funds, so they formed Silicon Valley Bank. And fast forward 30 years later, you know, some of the names you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, our customers uh, we've been lending to, um, or our friends of the bank, and uh, the, wine, the wine story, it kind of makes sense, right? You've got people with big exits, you've got venture capital partners, where are they going to put their money in vineyards? So I think the wine division sort of um, was a natural extension of what we do. And I think some of the coolest events that we do would be our client wine tastings. And we do that with our clients, and then obviously with the wines um, from our, some of the vineyards that we bank in, in the valley. So, okay. yeah, it's very cool. And if you were to give people like capital structure 101, I mean, I spent a little bit of time in banking. And so, you know, people understand they can have equity investments is when you kind of buy yeah. shares. You can have debt investments when you're loaned money. And they each employ different places on the capital yeah, structure. Absolutely. Do you guys strictly do debt financing? And for someone out there who's just a startup guy and he doesn't know the difference between a check for 100 grand and a check for 100 grand, yeah. can you explain the difference and yeah, what makes absolutely. you guys unique? So um, I think if you think about it, we actually are part of the journey of the company. So we'll start out Accelerator, you know, both in the Valley and now here in the UK and eventually other parts of Europe. We start by just being your commercial bank. So you, you, we're a bank account for you and we look after your commercial banking and your banking mm-hmm. needs. Um, and then you start to, you know, get angel investment and you can deposit that with us, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to a point where you're looking at a big, chunky Series A financing. And that is what the equity financing is. So you, you will get you know, family offices or very wealthy super angels or venture capital funds that are willing to put a lot of money in. The debt financing side is actually it's just a simple loan. Um, and what that means is you know, we lend alongside a venture capitalist that we've worked with over the years. Um, and we, you know, it's a three years uh, loan payback over 36 months. So it's a very simple, straightforward loan. But I guess the, ven- the benefit of what we call venture debt is it means it extends the runway for the founder. So they don't have to lose as much equity over the longer term. So the VC will take equity, um, we will lend it to them, and that might give them six, 12, 18 months extra of runway on top of the equity financing, which means they can grow the company to you know, a better valuation, uh, you know, a better level of revenues, um, and, and it just gives them more runway. And therefore, it's preserving more equity for the founder. And so VCs you know, quite often bring us the opportunities. Uh, founders will approach us directly. But it's, just, it's a nice way to work within the ecosystem. And then I think the other thing that we do is we work very closely with venture capitalists. So we're their banker, and we actually have a banking practice called private equity services, and we'll actually work with the VCs. Um, in the Valley, we actually have a VC fund, and we'll co-invest alongside VCs. Um, and we're actually also an LP. So we are a fund of funds, and we're an LP in a lot of the biggest funds um, you know, uh, on the West Coast, a couple of funds here in Europe. Um, but that's very, very much West Coast focused. Here in, in the UK, we're a commercial bank, and we will start with companies at an earlier stage as of a year ago because we can do just proper bank accounts. But then we have parts of the business that are called growth, 
Um, and then, you know, some of the, the companies that we'll bank are really well-known growth companies here in the UK, Shazam, uh, Mindcandy, for example, Monetize, et cetera, et cetera. And then we actually work at the top level as well, so what we call corporate. So a lot of the PLC and listed companies on the exchange will do different types of financing at that level. So I think Cisco is a great example of that. We started with them from early days, and you know, to this day we still work with them. And um, when you're going to make a loan to a startup company, maybe it's a pre-revenue company, maybe you don't do that with... We with, do. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's effectively a high-yield loan or what, you know, the Milken days used to be known as, as junk, junk bond financing because you just don't know what the revenues are going to be. Like, how do you price the coupon on something that, I mean, and is it quite expensive to borrow money at that stage? Um, well, I, I think it's a good question. I think the way that we look at it is uh, we look at the, the product that the company is creating. So... We tend to really love SaaS-based companies because we understand their revenue model, we understand the incomings, mm -hmm. we see the invoices coming in from clients and the whole SaaS kind of cloud-based software what, as a service. That's why I'm here to ask yeah. this question. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. so basically cloud-based business models. And okay. you know, so it's a subscription-based model. And we see that coming in and we see that they've got big blue chip customers and the like. We can see their revenues of where they're going. And then we also get a level of comfort because we know that the VCs are in there. So the, you know, the, the, yeah. I guess the more rep, the, the, not basically the VCs that we know and we've worked with um, over the years. So Axel Index. And in a way, they've put money into the company. So they don't want to see the company fail. We don't want to see the company fail. So we know that um, we all want to see that company be successful. So, you know, we price it accordingly. It's, it's very different. Um, according to each company. Really, it's very, very specific. And our, our bankers at that level really understand lending. Um, and, and we get it. We get that business model in a way that a lot of other typical banks don't. Do sometimes the, the CEOs come back to you and they're like, I can't pay a 12% coupon, it doesn't make sense, and I'm going to go back and try to get some more equity? Or is it usually less the issue of where uh, you price We sometimes day? get that pushback. Okay. But actually, if you think about it over the longer term, that... What if, there, if you say 12%, that actually is going to be cheaper than giving up a similar percentage of equity over the longer term. Really, this is a benefit to the founder over the longer term. It's giving them more runway, and it might appear more expensive at the beginning, but actually if you think about the kind of equity they give up in the, in the event of an exit, it's going to be a lot cheaper to be quite honest. It's nice having this as an option. Because yeah, I know it is an option, absolutely. Sometimes you Venture just debt is a very different instrument, but um, it works for the right kind of company. And, you know, we're, we as a bank do that. Obviously, there are other venture lenders as well, and they will just lend. I think the difference between us and them is venture lending is one of the things we do, other typical types of commercial banking and financing. But we're also a bank account, right? So we have an online platform. We do U.S., U.K. banking, like one screen, two tabs, and you know we're one of the only banks that can do that right now. Okay. And this sounds like a sales pitch, but it's not. It's no, just it's really informative. It, it's just <laughs> yeah. But oh, basically, wow. it's actually really interesting. When I talk to entrepreneurs, and we're like, yeah, we can open up a U.S. bank account for you from London if you're the the kind of company that we can work with. Um, usually we come in through introductions. So the kind of companies we work with are mm -hmm. always through warm intros, through lawyers or venture capitalists or people that you know, know the bank well and you know, we trust. And so they could, we can run their U.S. bank account from here. We can run their U.K. bank account. We can run it in four different currencies. 
You know, we have foreign exchange uh, trader in-house. So we're, we're small, we're nimble, and we're a purely online platform as well. It's a nice option to yeah. have because it can be a real pain trying to it, juggle it all be. those accounts. Yeah. And any yeah. company these days is going to have revenue streams in euros and dollars and, and sterling and expenses. Yeah. So that, that can be helpful. Who's your competition in London? And, and in, in a weird way, why do you think you guys will win? I mean, high street banks, right? Really? Yeah, okay. in the sense from the commercial banking perspective, absolutely. Um, but the high street banks, you know, the way they work is they bank all SMEs. So tech startups are one part of SMEs. And, you know, a lot of the bigger high street banks have really clued in that, wow, tech is hot right now and we want to work with you guys. But they're going to apply the same kind of criteria that would apply to, you know, other type of small and medium-sized enterprises. I think where we're different is um, we focus purely on tech. And they hire people like me because, you know, I'm not... Uh, well, I'm, I'm a banker in training is how I like to describe it. Uh, you know, I've been in the bank almost five months now, and I'm learning about lending and blah, blah, blah. But my background is software. I know technology. I know software. And I can meet the founders and the CEOs and understand their business and their technology and get excited about it and can bring it into the bank and go, wow, this is a really interesting company. We need yeah. to work with them. And I think they'll be great in this vertical and that vertical. And all my years at Microsoft and prior to that, I was in a tech startup and a very small VC fund. I've spent a lot of my career in this space. So I kind of understand it and understand the more exciting companies. They call you the queen of startups. Oh, uh, yeah. That's embarrassing. That's, true? <laughs> that's, that's what I've heard. That's what the, that's what the press is that's saying. Quite, that's quite that's what a they name. Call it, 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 it's very flattering. It is. I would take it. You know. <laughs> no, I think, I think that name just started because... Um, there's an article written in about 2009, and at that point, I'd, we'd just launched the um, startup program called BizSpark back in my Microsoft days. And at that time, there was only 650 startups, so the journalist that wrote the article, Lopa Patel, I've got to give her a name check because she's the one that coined the phrase. Um, and, uh, you know, she's like, oh my God, you're like the queen. You're working with 650 startups in a program? And the funniest thing is that was just the beginning. When I left, there was about 3,700 startups just in the UK in that program wow. and about 60,000 worldwide. And across wow. Europe, there's about almost 12,000 startups. So it was actually quite fun. And I would say over my time at Microsoft, easily I worked in depth with probably about 200 startups closely. You know, I, I saw a huddle at the very beginning. And back in the day when it was just Andy and Ali and a couple of others, you know, late 2007, early 2008. And, um, and you look at them now, and they're 100 plus, and they're on Series C now. And I've seen a lot of these companies grow up over my time. So it, it's been an amazing journey, you know, um, starting in 2008 to now. It's, it's incredible, you know, the history of what's happened in the UK this time around as yeah. opposed to the first time Yeah, around. I want to talk about that first time around. <laughs> you know, we, we usually try to hit you with like a devil's advocate or a, a random question, and I'll let you go first. If, if you have one online, otherwise I, I, I'm going to hit her with one. I reserve you, the right to say I'd have no answer You to think, that. but I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with one. So just about, about the business model, like say I'm a, I'm a, a guy that I've, I've already done some angel funding and maybe I've done a, a Series A and I'm coming up to where I need some more money yeah. and I talk to you guys and you guys, look, you know, I can give you a loan, like you say, 36 months, I can extend out, you don't have to dilute yourself by you know, trying to raise more equity. But on the flip side is if I don't make my coupon payments in the capital structure, you will become the owners of the company. Is that, is that right? And has that happened in the past? And is that a concern that, that people should have when raising money? Um, you know, we won't lend to companies where we think that will be a problem. We're really 
upfront. If we don't think we can lend because we think they're going to have troubles paying back within a year, we won't do it. We're, we're a bank, right? We're very careful about how we lend. So we're constantly in communication with the founders. You know, can you actually afford to, do you have enough runway and enough cash to pay us back over these 18 months? You know, what are your revenues like? What kind of numbers do you need to hit? And our bankers, you know, and the lending team are very good at that. So we, we try to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, Has that we, happened in the past? You must have had defaults. Um, pass, I don't know. Okay. I've, I'm too new in the bank to okay. answer that. And even if we did, it wouldn't be something that would be appropriate to answer. But honestly, um, we try our hardest not to let that happen. We try to work very closely with the founder. To, I'm guessing the, the last company. thing you want is just a balance sheet of a mess on your books. Yeah, yeah we've got a pretty good reputation balance sheet-wise. Okay. So, um, for, for people not understanding like equity and financing 101, like for example, General Motors declared bankruptcy a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and all of its equity investors got basically zero, and its debt holders became the new equity holders. And now they have shares of GM, and it's turned around, and... And that's how that whole thing worked. So with this kind of a loan, obviously, if they don't make their payments, you guys can effectively, if, if you want, become the equity holders, which must get kind of murky and yeah, complicated. Yeah, we, we don't, we, you I don't mean, want that. We, we, you know, our bread and butter is this whole debt financing. So, and, and really, we, we care about the founders. I mean, th- there's a reason I'm at the bank, because the bank is passionate about entrepreneurs and the relationships with the entrepreneurs. And, you know, I won't tell a lot of war stories, but, you know, when I went to meet the founder, the guy that set up the accelerator in the Valley, you know, 2004, 2005, think of the companies that started back then. And, and, and I, I look at how passionate he is about the relationships with the founders. And I look at my counterparts in mm. New York, Boston, San Francisco, Palo Alto, all around the States. We all are cut from the same cloth. We really care about the entrepreneur and the founders and obviously the, the venture capital and private equity side of the business, but we really are passionate about the sector. Um, so, you know, we want to see them be Plus successful because it means game. success for us as right. well. And you're going to be it's bumping into game. the same people five years from now, exactly. 10 years, 15 and, years. And, you know, there, there are stories. Again, I won't say the exact war story, but, you know, there's one very well-known recently listed um, company and, you know, we started, we did their first bank account. And the reason we did their first bank account, because their angel investor was someone we'd worked with for years and in his first two startups. So it's a relationship thing, and it lasts and lasts and lasts. And what I'm finding, you know, five months into the bank, a lot of the business that's coming my way is because of relationships I've built over the years. So people are calling me going, hey, Bins, like, you know, um, you helped us two, three years ago, uh, you know, getting us software. Can you help us with banking services now? And I'm finding I'm getting a lot of repeat business. And so it really is down to the relationship and, you know, being there with the company and for the company. And I'm not talking just through ups. I'm talking through downs. I mean, I have seen a lot of companies go down. It's quite funny. There's some founders I know so well there's a phone call and I can hear it in their voice and I'm like, what's wrong? I'll, I'll never forget this. This was two Christmases ago and I was um, on my way to Christmas break in, in the Alps and you know, there was one founder we'd been trying to call each other so I called him from my cab on my way to Chamonix, my favorite place in the Alps. <laughs> and um, you could hear his voice was strained. I'm like, yo, what's up? I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I think I have to you know, file for uh, bankruptcy. I'm like, what happened? So he told me the story, and um, the interesting thing is he was still a fighter, right? He's like, I'm going to file for bankruptcy, I'm going to try get the IP back, and I'm going to come back in a different iteration with that IP and that technology. Now, the interesting thing is the IP was so um, popular, 
five people bid for it under the bankruptcy. And so he actually had to pay over the odds to get that technology back under his name. He's relaunched the company and they're back you know, to strength and they're growing and growing and growing. And so I do see a lot of stories like that where they go through a really rough patch. We all know it's not that easy being an entrepreneur. It's not just up, it's a lot of downs. Yeah. Um, but you see that. And, and then I, I look at him 18 months later, him and his co-founder, and they're back. And they now have 10 different customers and their business model is slightly different, but the core IP and the technology is still the same, which I always thought was a brilliant product in what they're doing. It's fascinating. Sometimes the yeah. tech is right. It's just like the company structure, the capital structure, the well, mistakes it, they made yeah. in the past. In their case, they backed one horse and they had a huge contract with one company, one corporate. And the corporate actually reneged on that contract and said, oh. you're right. You're right. We are in the wrong. You can, you can sue us, but by the time you sue us, you'll go bankrupt. And that's really terrible. But then the lesson they learned is don't put all your eggs in one basket. You've got to diversify. Because what they'd done is they'd focused on just one company and one client and all of their you know, developers and everybody was focused on that one client. And then it all went you know, pear-shaped. Okay. Um, and so that was the big lesson he learned. So now he's diversified and you, know, you, you learn from your mistakes. And we've all been there, guys, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we've all Especially had Especially in the startup space when yeah. we hear about all the success yeah. Oh my God, I've made a ton of mistakes. Nine right? out of 10 are probably yeah. the bad ones. Bryce, what do I need yeah. to know about Bindi that I wouldn't see on her, on her CV? Oof. Oh, the stories, the stories, Bryce. <laughs> no, no, Bryce. You always, <laughs> there, was this, there was this yacht in Cuba one summer. Um, yes. I always miss the point, like with the guests that come on, Bryce is always like, okay, Brian, but you don't know this about them. So, because you know much more about her, but what, you know, what, what wouldn't the casual observer know, the one that looked at her LinkedIn profile, what wouldn't they know about Bindi? That's a great question. Besides if she's the queen of startups. I, I love skiing. Um, and marathons. And marathons. Marathons. And biking. And I'm doing tech bikers again this there's year. There's one other thing she's the queen of. Bindi's, in fact, the queen of karaoke, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. I believe <laughs> going completely off one, of, one of yeah. the stories in Startup Land is, uh, is Bindi's legendary vocals. Um, oh, I don't know about that. I've heard about it. Or is it Guitar Hero? No, it's Dance Dance Revolution. It's Sorry. Dance Revolution. Not karaoke, it's Dance Dance Revolution. I always get those two confused. Yeah, but, right. but karaoke I'm, we I'm love too. I'm moving us on yeah. now. Right. <laughs> question, question number three. We have a, we have a loose structure here. Yeah, here we go. If, um, if uh, you had to sign to non-compete right now and, and completely get out of the current business you're in right now, which I guess is banking really, yeah. or anything to do with Silicon Bank, and uh, we gave you 20... Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon, Silicon Valley Bank, my mistake. SVB. Um, yeah, the brand, I, right? I was thinking of Silicon Real. Yeah. Another great... Exactly. Venture. Another great Silicon... Yeah. Brand. Yeah. No wonder you're here. <laughs> and, and say someone gave you 20 million pounds, what would you go do? What other aspect of the tech sector here in London would you go after yourself? Yeah. You, yeah. Um, I think from a personal perspective, I love fashion. And, and I think I would try to, I don't know what the answer is, um, but I think I would try to do something in fashion tech. I, I think I've always been a collector of fashion-y things. I think Bryce, I'm, you know, what do you think? I, like, I love my shoes, my bags, my clothes. And, and it's interesting. Um, I follow fashion a lot. And so I think I'd love to do something in that space. It, it's not the right time for me. And I think I am where I'm meant to be, you know, whether I was in the bank or the corporate. I'm meant to be the supporter of entrepreneurs. You know, they're the real risk takers right. and they're the heroes. But if I did something, yeah, I think it would be around that. Okay. Just I love the space and the ecosystem, and I'm seeing you know lots of interesting things pop up. You know, 
you know, London sometimes plays like the ugly stepchild to sometimes in the States, and we're all immigrants here, and so we can, I think that gives us the, the perspective of looking outside, because we're not vested, because we're not completely British. I know, I'm a Londoner. Yeah, I'm a Londoner too. I was and, born, I was oh, born, born in the UK. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you're still Canadian, so. But this I was raised in Canada, but I came back. Okay. So I've been in London this... longer than I've been in Canada. Okay, well, yeah. I, I have a passport, and I've been here for 10 years, but what, what, what do you see right now that's happening in London that excites you? Is there like one or two sectors where you're like, yes, London is going to own this space worldwide. Yeah, I think fintech is very exciting. Um, you know, the the first I was actually in a startup for three years, and and that was two thousand two to two thousand four, and that was a trading technology startup. So you're a former mm. financial services yes. guy. So this was a commodities trading platform, okay. um, and there was every interdealer, broker, trader, and trading floor in the banks had this um, bid-ask screen for commodities trading. Okay. And it sort of came up when Enron Online died. And so it yeah. sort of, be it became the platform of choice. Remember those days? Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, they were counterparty. Yeah, we're, we're aging ourselves here, Brian. But anyway, <laughs> God, the, I call that the nuclear winter. But, um, it, but what I learned a lot about was FinTech and, and I'm, I'm seeing a massive resurgence of that. I think, you know, uh, level 39 just launching. When was it, Bryce? It was about February this year. Yeah, we did like one of the first events. Exactly. There in it was like sort March. of early, uh, yeah, yeah, February. I saw the preview, so it was about early March. It officially opened. I think there's a lot going on here. And obviously, London being the center, one of the financial services centers. I think New York, there's a lot there. But I think London really has the opportunity. It really is one of, it, it's a center time, time zone wise. It's yeah. the center. If you think about Canary Wharf, you know, 25 major banks that are focused there. In the city, a lot of the smaller banks are there, which is where we're based. So I, I'm really excited about fintech. Yeah, I was at Level 39 last Friday. And yeah. I'm, I'm at the, I met Eric out there, who hopefully will be a guest soon. But I was really impressed. One of my old um, buddies, I, I worked at ICAP PLC for a long time. Oh, yeah. So ICAP kept trying to buy the startup that I'm we were I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was very funny. He used to come over to our office and try to buy us. But we are like, They probably had no. no idea what you were doing. No, no. They, they were scared by what yeah. the, the startup was doing. So yeah. they wanted. Yeah, it was yeah. innovator's dilemma. You were yeah. putting like real people out of jobs with these technology platforms, yeah. and there's a lot of money involved. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, at level 39 is really interesting. I mean, uh, funny enough, uh, our our guest Tommy Davies accosted me when I was at level 39. Oh, he's amazing. He just grabbed me, and he was there. And um, there's a company called OpenFin that's there. That's my old uh, buddy at ICAP. Yeah, within I about all these. 20 minutes, I bumped into all these people on yeah. this floor in Canary Wharf, and it was wild. And uh, it was no, just. It, I, it was, I really think there's something there. I mean, it's still new, it's still a nugget, but I, I just feel really positive about what's going on there. And probably because I know fintech, because my first job after the startup and then the small VC fund I was in, my first job at Microsoft, I was at, in the fintech sales team. So I was selling to CIOs of some of the biggest banks and, you know, working with them on their business productivity strategy and, you know, helping them with, well, how the heck are you going to use Office and SharePoint and all these other big Microsoft products across your banks? Yeah. So um, I, it's a special subject for me and a special topic for me. So, you know, I've got to put that down as a bias, but I really think we're onto something okay. here. It's come up before on this podcast. It has yeah, actually, I yeah. really think we're onto yeah. something. And then it, I've just been meeting some really cool companies from Level 39, and, you know, they're really trying to... And even um, tech stars in London, I, I don't know the percentage, but there's a lot of payments and fintech companies right now. Yeah, okay. All sort of innovative payments and fintech providers. I'd say about half, isn't it, Bryce? Yeah, they've just announced uh, their first class. Yeah, their first class was 11. I'd say okay. probably four or five are really interesting 
financial services type players, okay. whether it's who's, payments or... Who's your favorite at the moment in the market? Uh, I, I'm not going to say. I love answer. all startups. Like That's equally. why she's the queen. Yeah. She doesn't she's good. She's question. good. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, I, I have ones that I think will be positioned for success, but I'm not going to say that because that's not fair on... The other no, that's fine. no, we missed yeah. the guy from Techstars. He was here from Colorado, I think, last week. Yeah, Dave. Dave. Yeah, yeah, Dave's, Dave's yeah, great we guy. We missed him by like a day. He's we'll Rocky Mountains, time. man. That's where I'm from. So. Boulder. Yeah, Boulder. That's yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah, he's a nice guy. Alberta. Uh, you know, yeah. Rocky Mountains where I come from. So It's <laughs> nice there. Was that a question you had? I got a question. I'm Go curious about um, one of the things I wanted to ask you. Um, what do you think about uh, the startup loan scheme, Biz? Um, I have to be honest, I don't know enough about it. So yeah. is that the one where they have to personally guarantee? Yeah, it's like small loans. 10, it's, so it's 10 like to a student grand, loan, isn't it? It's kind of encouraging young yeah. entrepreneurs that they're positioning. I, I have two minds about it, but effectively it's small loans and it's basically encouraging entrepreneurs the tiny bit of seed money, but to go into sort of to go into debt effectively. Yeah. It's a loan from the government. It's like a student loan, government. isn't it? And then uh, they have to pay back despite the fact the business works or not. Exactly, which, yeah. which is kind of like, do you go and seek seed or so crowdfunding sure of friends that. and family, yeah. or do you take a lo small thing? But I said 10 to 15 grand is a very small loan. Um, but it, it's it's a lot if you know you don't make um, money, right? And, oh, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I think, I think they're sort of, their positioning is a bit all the place. Like they sort of say they want to do, you know, they want to appeal to like people who want to open their own And you have DIY to be below 30 as shop. well to get that loan, don't yeah. you? Yeah, I think, I think in that case, it's sort of a buyer beware. Like if you're going to take it, understand the risks. So I think it's really up to biz to educate the people that take those loans. Mm. That if you do this, this is at your own personal risk and you'll be liable for that money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the important thing. And if that's the case, and people still want to use that as an instrument to, you know, fund their company, then so be it. Yep. But I do think people need to be educated that they're personally liable, not their company or the, the yeah. organization. Yeah. So, it's interesting, you know, so I think it's about encouraging money. responsible borrowing. Yeah, I think this is really important yeah. to educate people starting companies because for them, if you're starting a company, you just need the money. Exactly. But if you know that this money is uh, personally liable for, this money is under an LLP, so if it folds, you're not going to, you know, limited liability partnership. This money is debt financing that kind of thing so it is good for people to know and my yeah. other, my other yeah. late slightly yeah, it's late. important to understand all the types of financing i think yeah. um you know it's my duty i believe to educate people like particularly about the debt financing and you know that's why i do things like this and i think really it should be our duty in any type of financing to educate people and then they can make the best informed decision which is going to make them successful. Ultimately, this is them taking the risk. Yeah, yeah, and they're working day and night, and they're giving up their holidays and their relationships and everything to make it work. And, and I can't say enough how much I respect founders of companies. I, they, they amaze me. You know, they're my heroes, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. They work hard. They work their butts off. <laughs> you, you, you were talking earlier about how this is kind of the second wave of what you saw. Yeah. And you saw the first wave of like, what, early to mid-2000s? Yeah, and then oh, the second that was wave hard. of kind of 08. Nuclear um, winter, that was. I saw kind of a first wave at the end of the 90s, but that's another story. But when what, I was there, too. There what do you, oh, you were, yeah. yeah. What do you notice about the two different waves? Like, what's, yeah. Okay, so I think uh, the first wave, you know, this is very common knowledge, right? Everyone, you know, it's a lot of ridiculous valuations and 
businesses were being built on the back of nothing. There was really no business there, a business model. What year, roughly? Uh, sort of 99 to 2001. Like, it all tanked mid-late 2000, didn't it? Yeah. Early yeah. 2001. Early 2001 was the yeah. Nasdaq crash. It was, it, was, it was all tanking at that point. And I think it's because there was no real proper viable businesses, right? That was the boo.com time. I remember seeing like six pitches for, for like dentist.com, yeah. dentistthis.com, pets.com pet, yeah. was around. All the different pet yeah. collaborations. And, yeah. In people York. weren't really thinking of the business. They were like, let's have big parties. And, you know, I was part of it. I was having a great time. And I was going to those networking things first Tuesday. And I was working yeah. um, back then in the PwC incubator. And even PwC was financing startups. Really? Yeah, uh-huh. They were like, putting money into four or five startups. And back then I was a super junior consultant and I was like, um, you know, looking at the business plans for companies and doing the due diligence on them and putting like, you know, and then that tanked once IBM took over that part of PwC. Um, Now I think people are much more focused on the bottom line. They've got a proper business, a business model. They're looking at how do we get revenues or, you know, in some cases or a lot of cases, particularly on the West Coast, how do we get the kind of users we need that we can monetize? I think people are smarter business people this time around and they're looking at the business model. And the ones that don't make it, I think, are because um, they, they hadn't really looked at the business model. And actually, we ran a startup outlook survey, um, which we released at the beginning of May. Um, and we did it in UK and US. Now, the interesting thing is, I forget the numbers, because it's been about a, a month or two since um, I looked at the survey. But funnily enough, British entrepreneurs had a greater focus on the bottom line. So they were more likely to hit their, their revenue numbers and targets. And they were likely to be more profitable than the American companies that we surveyed. I believe that. Which is interesting. Well, our theory behind that actually was that I think the investors in Europe just tend to focus on that. And this is, again, a theory, you know, hypothesis, and Mm. you two can debate about this. But I do think that um, the investors here really want that focus on the bottom line. So startups tend to be more profitable. There is less money being given to them. So they have no choice but to make money and to think about, you know, making their revenue targets. And 2013, in this survey, they were so positive. They were more positive than the American entrepreneurs because they had hit profitability or revenue generation in 2012 and 2011. Right, as opposed to back in the days when you would brag about your burn rate. Yeah, that that was how cool you were. Exactly. Um, Yeah. yeah, So that's kind of come full circle. Yeah, I I think it's it's a lot more. I think, for lack of a better word, it's a lot more responsible business management now, like than it was back then. Mm. Um, and it's been fun living through the resurgence because I was kind of, I feel, there at the beginning. Um, you know, I, like there's a little potted history, if it's all right, that I can yeah. give. So late 2007, Seed Camp launched, and you know, back in the Microsoft days, we were there helping give software to the five Seed Camp investee startups. I think Mike started TechCrunch Europe around that time as well. It was late 2007. Mike, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it was around that time, 2008. Um, I got my job uh, for the startup team at Microsoft um, in January 2008, and I was on board to plan and strategize and do the launch for BizSpark on this side of the pond, and we launched that in November 2008. So that's 2008. Like people were starting to say, oh, there's really interesting startup things. 
Then you go into 2009, and um, the first ICE trip happened. And ICE, if you don't know, is sort of this group of entrepreneurs. And to this day, you know, it, it's just a, a, a almost a support group of entrepreneurs supporting each other, and people like myself, and lawyers, and other people, VCs that are part of the ecosystem. And we help each other, we mentor each other, we try to be supportive. So the very first trip was February 2009. Um, you know, and then you start to see other corporate programs launching. So IBM Entrepreneurs launched, I think, in about early 2010, mm. um, uh, late 2000. I've just got to get all the timing straight. Um, if you go back, going back to 2008, Huddle had just began. Like they were late 2007, had their Series A funding late 2007, early 2008. Companies like um, Shuttle. Skimlinks, uh, Mind Candy, a lot of these companies so this that is the are second growth, wave. Yeah, they all okay. launched around 2008. So okay. for me, that's a really special year. And you look mm. at them five years later. And then that 2010 thing start to gain momentum. More and more corporates are getting into it. Amazon had always been around, you know, um, with the with AWS. But around 2010, and again, Amazon, forgive me if I'm wrong, Chris, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, around then, AWS for startups started to launch. And then you get to 2011, and the beards turned up, right? <laughs> right. So you guys were about 2011. What was it? Early, mid 2011. Uh, we met in June or July. Yeah. First so event mid in 2011. Then you get to like November 2011, and that's when the government announces the launch of Tech City. Okay. Right. And so all of a sudden, the government's got this whole focus. But you go back to 2008, I'm sorry, that's when Moo.com and Songkick and all those guys were already at the roundabout, and it was already organic. So in my view, three years later, the government came on board and said, wow, there's something special here. Let's launch the announcement for um, you know, uh, Tech City. So that's late 2011. You get to 2012, and oh my god, everything's happening, right? So Google announces entrepreneurs, like Google for Entrepreneurs, and Campus opens around March last mm -hmm. year? Yeah, yeah March. Um, Silicon Valley Bank finally gets their British banking license right. in June. A year June. ago, June. A year. Last year, yeah. Yeah, but the thing okay. is, we'd been at it for two and a half years, right? It, okay. it wasn't easy to get a banking license in Great Britain, yeah. but we saw there was something in it. So we're like, we're going to make the commitment and the investment, and we did it. So, I mean, I'm so impressed by the team that did it. I came on board after, mm. but the team that did it, you know, they built a bank. Like, they yeah. built the whole platform and the operation, and they extended it from the U.S., and... They, you know, worked hard to get that license after two and a half years of working with the FSA back then is what it was called. So that launches. Um, and Telefonica announces Wira sort of early 2012. And they launched the Wire Academy around June 2012. And now you look at 2013 and it's just everywhere. There isn't a corporate I'm not speaking to or they're not innovating and they're, they're getting their guys out learning about startups. Um, you know, Nokia, Microsoft, IBM, AWS, Google, um, Telefonica. I mean, I could just keep naming corporates that are going, oh my God, these entrepreneurs, there's something in it, right? So if you think about back in the day, and then actually one last it's a great, thing. Great history. Yeah, lesson, and, and back, in, back in 2008, there's also this very special event that Huddle launched called Drink Tank. And one of the things I first did, I was like, sure, I'll sponsor that, you know. And that was around February time. And that was just a, 
hey, we're a bunch of entrepreneurs. We don't know anybody. Oh my God, it's so lonely here. Well, let's meet together once a month. Only CEOs and people like Bindi who have money to put behind the bar because she's a big corporate. You know, that's the only reason they let me in the room is because I was sponsoring. Credit card. Uh, yeah, I mean, just I'm being really open here. Um, but what a great way for me to meet great CEOs. And, you know, to this day, some of those CEOs are my very, very dear friends because we kind of all grew up together, right? I grew up and I grew the program. Um, uh, you know, the CEOs said great things about me and the stuff I was doing with them, so I wouldn't be where I am without their support. Um, and then I see some of these guys now, and they're going to be our next big exits. And I'm just, I feel like a, a really proud friend to see some of these folks and how they've grown. So what's 2015 going to look like? What's 2017, 19 going to look like? That's a great question. I, I would like to think that we see some great exits for Europe. So Which we need, right? We, we need, need, we need some big exits. I'm really passionate about that. And I'll give you an example of my journey about leaving Microsoft and coming to SVB. And, um, you know, Microsoft was an amazing time, and I would not be where I am without that program and the support I got from them. And they just threw me out there and, like, go do it, Bindi, right? Would not be without it. But I quickly realized I needed to be with an organization where there was one foot in Silicon Valley, but they were looking at their European expansion. And that, for me, was my dream job in tech, working with a big portfolio, they're in the valley, so I get to go back to California. I love the West Coast, mm -hmm. but I'm a European. Despite this accent, I am a European. I'm a proud European, and I'm a Londoner, and I'm a proud Londoner. So proud I volunteered at Me London too. 2012. Right? Okay. Good. I wore that uniform. It was a good fun. Um, it's so, a hard you know, job. It, it was an amazing Pink. experience, right? But the point is, that was my dream job, where I'm like reporting, you know, whether here or to the valley, and I'm helping the European push. And that's exactly what happened with this SVB job. Mm -hmm. I'm helping with the European push. And I want to I wanna see Europe be successful. I really want to see some great exits. So my hope and my vision is that we do see some great exits. And those great coming. exits show the world that we can actually exit. Yeah. And they also give the funds to those entrepreneurs to reinvest the way we've seen yeah. and, the, and the Facebookers and yeah. Tumblers. And, and, and that, that is actually happening, actually. Okay. So what I'm um, seeing is people that are in Series B, see right now, they're actually very quietly reinvesting in the key ecosystem, right? Some of them go, yeah, we'll give 25, 30K to our mates who are launching a business. I won't say who out of respect for that, but they know who they are and they're actually reinvesting in the system, right? And they're proudly doing it very quietly. You look at pro-founders, for example, right? Mm, and I don't know. Um, they're Brent Hoberman. Brent Hoberman and, okay. uh, you know, Charlie Goodman. yeah, and, and all of those guys, they're putting their money into a fund and reinvesting it. So that's uh, Brent and Michael Birch, right? So they were sort of big the first time round. They're putting that money back into a fund and reinvesting. Atomico with, you know, Nicholas and, and the Skype money, same thing. But they're now looking at bigger levels, right? So they're doing big Series C rounds and a lot more growth stage. But you look at these founders who are putting money back into whether funding vehicles or their seeding, and I'm seeing a lot more of that this time around as well. So I think there's a movement. There's a lot more we need to do. We're a heck of a lot further behind. Um, people are still less risk-taking here than they are in the Valley, but I really feel positive. You know? And maybe I'll I'm just, that's that. my Canadian side, but I do feel we need to see some big exits. And that's the only way we can keep sustaining this growth. What do you define as big? So what, what would you say is a great exit? Like what's your value well, range? Um, obviously we want to see billion dollar exits. Everyone's Everyone wants to see that. But I actually don't think there's anything wrong with 100, 200, 300 million dollar exits. So the startup I was in back in the day exited for 300 million 
you know, cash shell because they never took VC investment. And um, I wish I'd stayed. You know, I really wish I'd stayed. But um, I joined as employee 17, and I left when there were about 55, 60 people. Big mistake on my part. Should have stayed. But never mind. <laughs> so that, that's what a good, should have right there. That's a good but, enough exit. It's still a very sizable exit. It's still a sizable exit. Yeah. But, you know, in the Valley, that's not big enough. But I think we, we just got to keep getting more and more of those Consistent. types. Mm -hmm. You know, but the billion-dollar exits are what we're all after. Right. Okay. Where do you sit on the IPO debate? What do you think about the European IPO debate, which is kind of raging around? Do you think we're going to see more of that? Do you think we're going to see it's going to just keep rolling around? Do you think it's an echo chamber? We're like a tenth of the IPOs of the states, yeah. right? or a fifth. Or yeah, I, I think um, something needs to be done. And I think, you know, like Joanna's initiative um, with Future 50. Is that what it's called? Future 50? Yeah, Joanna Shields. Uh, Joanna Shields. Joanna Shields. City, yeah, right? exactly. Um, I think there's a lot of movement in that direction. And I know, you know, there was an announcement made, was it 2011 or 2012, that they're going to try make the LSE more amenable to exits for companies of a certain size in the tech sector. So I think there's been a lot of movement in that direction. We just haven't seen it yet. So I, I want to see more like that. So again, not really a, a straightforward answer, but I think it's a long game. A long Absolutely. Game. Yeah. Now we need to find out a bit more about you. So here's a question for you. Oh dear. If, if you could pick up the phone and make a phone call to the 20 year old Bindi, Oh, and give her some yeah. advice. She might not take this advice. Don't do you, that podcast. <laughs> <you. laughs> uh, <laughs> if you give her some advice, and it can't be, go, you go, girl, Bindi, you're doing great. If you, you should give her a piece of advice. Mm. Um, what would it be? I think I would have told myself, take the risk and start a business. I, I think back then I would have been... I would have been a bit more amenable to that kind of risk. So I think I should have started a business back then. Because I hate to say it, but, you know, tech right now, it feels like a young person's game. And if you don't start it in your 20s, that's it. And so... Um, like your pop career, your acting yeah. career. And I think there is have, something to that. Yeah, there is something to that. But I do see a lot of folks who have been in banks and been made redundant. And, and now they're, like, starting up their own businesses. So I'm seeing a lot of that as well, which is great. And the, the, the sort of that experience cannot be matched, if that makes sense. But advice to myself, I would have um, definitely started a business. Um, I did take my own advice, which is I got on a plane and came to Great Britain. And I didn't regret that because, you know, I finished uni and I was like, what do I do? Well, what I want to do is in Toronto or New York. And then I looked at my British passport gathering dust. I was like, I'm just going to go to London and see what happens. So I actually did pop up here with 300 Canadian dollars in my pocket. And when was that? Uh, 1996. Wow. And I'm wow. still around and, you know, I, I still can buy shoes. So I, I haven't done half bad. Okay. On that, on that same <laughs> note. That reminds me, I need some shoes. But yeah. <laughs> we'll go shoe shopping after breakfast. Excellent. Excellent. I'm good. We're, we're, we're wrapping this up. We're wrapping this up now. Staying on advice. What, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, best piece of advice would have been. Um, I, you know, I've had several times I've been out on the street and I've failed. Um, the, that's a whole other story. So a couple of times. And the best advice was given to me by the chairman of the startup that I was in at the time. And it was called Trayport. And Alan, the chairman, actually said, Bindi, you're nobody till you've failed three times. Very American advice. Yeah. But in Great Britain at the time, and I grew up, you know, Indian, um, Asian, as you say here, and you don't see that. Like, we, we don't accept failure as a culture. But actually, the two times I was on the street and I was living on Sainsbury's Points, you know, the second time around in 2004 yeah. to get food because I had zero money. Um, and my friends were being lovely and buying me drinks once in a while because I couldn't afford to go out. Um, 
you're nobody till you failed three times. And the lessons I learned from those two troughs in my life were invaluable. And it's toughened me up, yeah. and it's made me realize um, it's okay, right? And the best entrepreneurs I see um, just pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and they're back out there. And I go back to that story with that, that entrepreneur whose business went into bankruptcy. He didn't stop to think twice. He had two very young kids. He was stressed. He's like, meh, I'm just going to go do it again. I'm going to buy that IP back because I believe so strongly in the product, and he did it, and look at him to this day. Wow. So I do think that, for me, was the best advice. And I actually sat back, thought about it, and I'm like, all right. And then, that, again, Alan, that chairman, also said, Bindi, you know nothing, <laughs> which was great advice because it made me sit back and go, oh, yeah, I was a consultant. I hadn't really rolled my sleeves up and worked operationally in a business, and that's what I ended up doing the last 10 years. You know, even though I launched the startup program, it was still, you had to operate a business and you had to run a business and grow a business and build a business. And I think learning stuff operationally, not just theoretically, is uber, uber important. And yeah, I'm doing yeah. the same thing again at the bank. Okay. Right? No, I'm right. not just selling the services. I'm trying to build up a team and the operations and the processes and, and new banking packages internally. So okay. it, it's really important to do that, I think. That's very good stuff. The yeah. fi final bit of that question is, to the 20-year-old listening, it could be the 20-year-old young Bindi or someone else, else out there, what, what, what should they do if you want to give them some advice so they can grow up like you? Or Bryce. Don't grow up. Don't, don't, grow, not don't grow up like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what definitely says. not. Shave. You know, <laughs> every day, shave. Yeah, shave. Definitely and, shave. You, know, <laughs> you, shave. you may end up looking like this one day. <laughs> Actually, Bryce had a surprising answer to this question when I asked him on London Reel. But what, what, what do you tell that 20-year-old year old to do if they want to do something to get into this space? You know? I think taking the risk is really important. I mean, so what if it doesn't work out, right? Just take the risk and bloody well do it, I think, is very important. If you're passionate about something and you think you have an idea and you want to do something, go for it. Um, because so what? If it doesn't work out, don't be scared of failure. I think that's the first thing I'll say. And that's exactly what Alan told me, you know, in 2002, 2003-ish. But... Don't be scared of failure, because big deal, you learn from it. You dust yourself off when you move on, and, and, and you learn a lot about yourself. So, for example, the one thing I learned about myself was I'm better off working with portfolios as opposed to just one product and just one thing, you know, and doing the same thing day in, day out with just one product. I, I'm better off juggling a million plates and, you know, working with portfolios, because I think that's where my greatest strength comes out, and mm. mentoring and helping and being supportive. That's more what I'm good at. So I think it's also taking the time to step back and look at yourself and understand your strengths and weaknesses. I think people don't do that enough. Okay. And I know all my weaknesses, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, when you fail, you get to find out yeah, like oh, God, said, yeah. what you're made yeah. of and what you're not. And yeah. you, you learn a lot about yeah. yourself. Absolutely. Um, I got one other question, and then if you have something cool, otherwise we're, we're going to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, I got one more. But um, it, oh, when, no. <laughs> when you choose people, what is that one characteristic that you, you look for? Maybe it's, it's in someone you're going to loan money to. Or, um, you know, because I, I think ultimately why we're doing this show is because it's really about the people behind the businesses, because yeah. I think people invest ultimately in people. Absolutely. Uh, and I know, I know yeah. Tim Ferriss was here and he said no one signs NDAs anymore in Silicon Valley because it's not the idea. Everyone's has that idea. It's who can execute it. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what is that one personality trait that you look for? Um, you know, Raj said something funny last week. He said, I'm looking for the guy with a chip on his shoulder with something to prove. You know, and I was like, wow, that's pretty heavy. But uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would actually say it a different way. I would say 
passion and unwavering dedication and unwillingness to take no for an answer. Same, same thing, different coin, different shoulder. Okay. So I'm saying the good angel side of what Raj okay. said, which what is were the, those the naughty angel side, right? <laughs> passion? <laughs> um, unwavering dedication and belief in their product, right? They're like, this is the answer. This is the solving the problem, and this is the answer. And they're passionate, and they don't take no for an answer. I mean, some of the best entrepreneurs I know are just like, poke, 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 <laughs> in the nicest way. Right. You know, and they're intelligent beyond belief. Right? They're mm. just beyond intelligent, again, is a, a trait that I've noticed. Um, and also a tremendous amount of self-awareness as well, is what I would say. Mm. Like I was saying, you know, knowing yourself and knowing your strengths and weaknesses and knowing when, um, when you need to bring someone in the team to make up for your shortcomings. It's not, it's just, you're not perfect, right? Um, and knowing when it's time to step aside and let another CEO take over. So I was out for um, dinner the other night with the CEO, and he said to me, he goes, Bindi, the exciting part for me is starting it and building it to this level, and I'm no longer excited about it. Now it's this level, and it's a machine is chunking away. Yeah. I'm going to step yeah. aside and let a, like an adult CEO take over and grow it, because that's what the growth CEOs are good at. And he's like, I'm going to go launch it. Uh, same company, but I'm going to go launch a different business unit and build this product set out because that's what I'm strong at. And he had all of those characteristics, but in particular, he had an incredible sense of self-awareness. So I think okay. all of those combined mm. make incredible founders. And all the founders that are doing well to this day, you know, you know who you guys are, guys and gals, I should say. Um, you you have that, you know, and that's consistently. And I think the last thing, an you know, observation I have to make is. A lot of the great companies that I've seen typically have co-founders, mm, right? I've heard so this before. all the biggest, best, fast-growing companies I've worked with and had the privilege of working with have had co-founders. There's a yin to a yang. They balance each other out, mm. and I, I see it more and more rarely that it's just one single founder. Okay. So the co-founder thing, there's something in it, and I, I think we need to do some research into that. And you should start interviewing co-founders. Because the, the cool thing is when I sit, sit down with them and they finish each other's sentences off. I love it. You just go, you're like a married couple, right? Because you've been working together. You've been living together. You, you're, you're in and out. You're finishing each other's sentences. But they both have their different strengths and weaknesses. So one co-founder is the coder and developer and product person. And the other person is the commercial and the sales guy and out there fundraising. Or a science gal and out there in fundraising. Do you see what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, I've like, heard that before. You need yeah. the yin to the yang. You need the one guy that pushes, the one guy that pulls back. Yeah, and, you, and, and you know, they balance each other out. So, yeah. it, you know, people like that are always very investable. The team. Okay. I think mm. that's very important. That's a very good answer. There's no I in team, and that's all very cliche, but okay. there's yeah. a reason for that. There's, more, there's a, a following to that phrase, but I'm not going to use it. Yeah. Is there anything in conclusion that you want to mention? I got one last word. I could probably yes. be a nice one to wrap up on, but okay. um, for all these sort of listeners who don't know Vindi, um, she is, as you've probably gotten from the point of this podcast, quite a public face in the startup, um, and obviously has been uh, always very lovely to myself and the Beards, who, who are big fans. Oh, but I'm a big fan of the Beards. The, beard, the, beard the Beards are, are lovely. The Beards don't forget. The Beards don't forget. I like no, 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 we don't. We're like, we're like elephants with Beards. Never, um, never ask a, a Sicilian <laughs> or a Beard the second favor after you've been <laughs> Yeah, don't ask for a second favor. Um, but obviously, uh, Bindi, you're quite a public person. Um, in London tech scene, obviously it was a huge coup for Silicon Valley Bank to get away from Microsoft and, 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 and that sort of thing. But I suppose my final question, which is a really important one, is uh, especially just playing on the back of that last bit about hitting rock bottom and then coming back up again, how do you stop yourself from getting jaded? 
how do you keep at it every day? How do you keep optimistic? And because well, Bindi is, question. I mean, it is public, and she is always very, uh, very, very bubbly, and will talk to anyone in our experience, which is great. Because when we do drink about, we expect all our guests to want to talk to everyone. Yeah. She comes down, she's like, yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's a good question. It's a good question. You know what? Honestly, um, I I actually think of balance, and and balance is very important. That's a very personal thing for me. So, mm. exercise. Believe it or not, I, you know. Recently, in the last three, four months, I've not been exercising because I've been working so much. And that's my own fault, right? Because I really want to do well and hit the ground running and blah, blah, blah. But I think that gets you quite jaded if you just work, 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 and you're not taking exercise and balance. Mm -hmm. I think that's key. I think taking balance, because people were working 24-7, you know, 365. And I think taking the time to step back and do things for yourself, I think it's important. Um, and maybe you don't need that much balance, but sometimes... To me, that's what stops me from being jaded. So taking parts in all these crazy challenges. So I've yeah. done like the UK challenge for years and I've run a marathon a year for the last five years and I've just committed to tech bikers again despite the fact I'm a terrible biker, but I'm going to do it anyways. You know, things like that. Ben, I think, ben will love that. That's yeah. <laughs> exercise is really important and I think the balance is very important. You know, doing yoga and, you know, things like that. And, you know, founders don't always do that. They're so all-consuming. Yeah. Obsessed. But actually, yeah. which is great. That's the best part about the founder. But I think having a healthy, happy founder is also very important. And that's what I try to do. I'm, I've, I've not been listening to my own advice, but I've started to again, you know, and, and so as you've grown, you, diet. Too, you take a sort of a, a chunk of the week and say that switching off, taking. A yeah, I mean, this out, week, this finally, time. I took me time and I went for two runs late at night, like not till 830. But you know, those two runs, and I woke up yesterday really happy again. And I was like, I didn't understand why I was unhappy. Yeah. And I was like, ah, those two runs made a difference, right? And and I ate healthy, and I cooked good food, and meditate too. Yeah, meditate that and helps. yoga, and you know all that kind of stuff. You got to take care of yourself in order to take care of your company and people do, and do teams. You think, and do you think? I really believe strongly in that. Uh, I, I agree too. Do you, yeah. just want a quick aside before we wrap this up. Do you think people in Britain work hard enough in the tech sector? Well, that's a loaded question. Is it? I that's what I do so. for a living. Yeah. That's loaded questions. I mean, lots of people will be like, no, not, not at all. I, I, I think so. Um, you know, people are like, well, people clear the office out at five. I'm like, so? Maybe they're going to business meetings or maybe they're going to work from home. And I think, you know, I, I think in the States they do work crazy hours. Um, but here, you know, I think so. Okay. There's That's definitely a healthy balance. I, I, you yeah. know, I, there's definitely. I notice when I talk to people at startups, like, no, nine to six, and you know, we still have our own time, and yeah. the drink about's very popular. You know, people are out on Fridays, and yeah, there's some kind of a healthy balance. I yeah, but I think sometimes the best business, in, in my view, will happen at events like that, where you'll meet someone, and and you're like, oh, let's have a meeting, and this might result in something. Mm. And some of my best business has resulted from those kind of evening events, where you're meeting people, or you're speaking, or. You're a yeah. judge on a panel, and you're like, wow. And you wouldn't have met them had you not done that. Yeah, the three so, beards are the lubricant of the tech startup scene. Oh, it can take that true. so many ways, yeah, right? But, you know, <laughs> you can do what you want with that. But it's true. Oh, I mean, God. Like, oh, we got to let that one go. Um, yeah. that mean, anyways, we, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. Um, I would, what were you going to say? I was going to say to your last question there. I, would ch anyone, I, I agree with Bindi, but I, would, I always say to people, like my response to that is, I would challenge anyone who thinks that, that UK tech founders and companies don't work hard enough is... Go and work in a, a big corporate. Go work in a big corporate agency or a big corporate bank or something, and you'll see. That's when you start to see that kind of. Oh, it's okay because I'll be here tomorrow doing the same thing, or I can slip through the cracks. Yeah. And you go, go go do that for like a couple of years, and then come back and look at how tech founders work. 
and they just don't. They're just like, yeah, the no, ones that I, are on I think it. they're always hardworking. And that's why I talk about the need for balance because a lot of the founders here are just so busy focusing on their business. And it's fantastic, but balance is important too because yeah. then you need to be healthy and happy to grow that company to the next no, level. No, that's very true. There's one, of yeah. the, there's one business that requires all their employees to come to the drink about on Friday. And is that the beards? Uh, no, 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 <laughs> although technically, yes. Uh, no, Signkick, our favorite Dutch founders, the oh, Signkick well, boys. It's the Dutch boys. The Bless Dutch them. boys are yeah. amazing. And what a great <laughs> I was in the Dutch Financial Times this week, thanks to those guys. I had an interview. I haven't read it yet because it's Bless. in Dutch. It's in Dutch. <laughs> Cool. Use one of the translate engines, you'll be fine. Yeah, well, it's behind a paywall like the FT, but they're oh. going to send me a scan. They send oh, bless. It, so. But what a great idea because they're valuing, like you said, that time outside where you're going to chancely meet into someone could be just as hard as working eight hours more that day because it all is all about the connections. Yeah, but, and the but also, the bottom line, if you're doing a pitch or a big deal and you need to work those long hours, you got to do it, right? Mm. You just got to do it. Sometimes yeah. you got to put the head down and go, for it. go behind, you know, and just. Just go for it, right? But take the time to step back and balance as well. Okay, so. very good. How do people get a hold of you, Bindi? Twitter? Yeah, at BindiK, probably nice. best way. Nice. Okay, um, is that the best way? Websites or anything? Silicon um, Valley Bank? Tweet me. It's probably okay. easier. Or through LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, and yeah, you'll talk be on, to me. You'll be on the show. This is officially yeah. our longest silicone reel ever. I really? Thought, I thought it was going to be when I was just looking up Bindi. And we could talk a lot more. <laughs> Um, is just tweet her. Just tweet her if you've got questions. Yeah. From now on. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> anything going on with um, Silicon Reel or uh, Three Beards or anything coming up with you of special note or just yeah, the we've got the um, the showcase event from we just ran the Art Tech Hackathon, right, the annual weekend. Art Tech Hackathon last weekend. So we've got the showcase show on the 16th of August at the South Place Hotel in Moorgate. Oh, South Place is lovely. It, we're taking over that whole first floor. Fantastic. Super possible. cool, guys. They were amazing. They were amazing all weekend. We yeah. had the, we had the most gentrified five star hackathon I think the world has ever yeah. seen. And it's it was a very amazing. funky okay. hotel. We'll, we'll bring you down. That's okay, yeah. so if people want to go to that, they can go to the Three Beards. Yeah, go to Three Beards website, sign up for the stash, and we'll be releasing the information probably next, early next week about okay. how to get tickets. Cool. Excellent. For Silicon Reel, we're at Silicon Reel, and uh, we're on Facebook as well. Come check us out. Tweet at us if you have guest suggestions, if you have anything, mm. if you've got pictures you want us to uh, include in the intro, because this podcast hopefully is a reflection of what the scene's all about, and, the, and we're just kind of giving it back to you. I, I think this is recommended listening for anybody moving into the tech scene. Like, yeah. this into this one hour and you'll glean glean much more knowledge than reading (laughs) 10 articles on on the FT because you just got walked through a history of uh, that Bindi gave you and I think you need to know your history to know where you're going so um, that alone was very valuable so thank you so much for coming thanks for the invite guys thanks very much it's been a fun hour and you're right it went quickly it goes quick doesn't it wow amazing (laughs) on to drink about I say on to drink about All right, that's (laughs) Silicon Real it's about the people thank you both thank you okay bye Because when you look at something far too closely, you can't you can't get any uh, insight into what's what's happening. That you need to kind of step away. And the time in LA was really interesting because it's more on a personal note. Because it was like, okay, this investing thing's awesome, love it, but actually I want to build something as well. So how do I figure that out? Um, but I, I haven't really 